Welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. My name is Eric Halkren, and on this episode, Mickey Chikailo, who is the editor for all of MLive, along with Brad Devereaux, are talking about the First Amendment Award that Brad Devereaux just picked up for the work he did in Kalamazoo, and we will get into that fascinating story right now. So let's jump into it. As I said, Mickey and Brad are our guests today, and my co-host, as always, Vice President of Content for MLive, John Heiner. How are you, friend? I'm well, Eric. How are you this gray spring morning? Get the snow on the horizon. Yes. I'm I'm ready for a brief trip back to winter, and then we can get on with summer. You know what the problem is with the saying stuff like that on a podcast is someone downloads this episode. Anytime they download this episode in the year in Michigan, that statement could be relevant. (laughs) Very very true, yes. Does not give them any context for when this was recorded. (laughs) Well, anyways... uh, we we're in the we are in the midst of actually I guess at the end of it but award season for journalism in Michigan and M Live uh, last week won more than fifty awards in the Michigan Associated Press Media Editors Award which of course was awarded for work done in twenty twenty but uh, M Live did really well very proud to say uh, one in some very significant categories including investigative reporting public service enterprise reporting. We swept several categories for multimedia storytelling, which is, of course, video along with words and pictures, uh, some photo categories, did really, really well in sports and in some other areas. So, um, you know, it's what we do. And I'm, I'm proud when, we, when these uh, award uh, uh, honors are announced. But we had a significant one this year that I think Merritt's talking about. And for, for our guests today, we're going to be joined by, first of all, I'm going to introduce Mickey Chikailo, who is the editor for MLive, is in charge of all of our local news in our, our eight news markets around the state. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning, John. Good morning, Eric. And also reporter Brad Devereaux from the Kalamazoo Gazette, who's been with MLive for quite a while. And he, he also has some renown up in the Saginaw area for time he spent working in that area. Good morning, Brad. Yes, morning, John and Eric. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, coming on. So the award, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Mickey here. Mickey, you've been in the business for, for quite a long time, and I think uh, you can explain well the significance of the award. It was called the First Amendment Award. It was given out by the Associated Press Media Editors. And for, this, for our listeners' sake, could you tell what the award is for, what it represents, and, and why it's so meaningful to win that award? Thanks, John. Yeah, you know, the the First Amendment Award, uh, one thing that's worth noting is that it cuts across categories. And so there's one First Amendment Award for the entire state to to one news organization or to one individual who uh, exemplified uh, the the press's uh, vital role in our democracy, uh, frankly, uh, you know, in in being a watchdog on government. and uh, this past year, Brad um, uh, really dug into the Kalamazoo City Commission. He can go into the details, but but you know really uh, demonstrated that role, that 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 vital um, role of of journalists who are keeping a close eye on our public officials and on how our our government operates in a democracy. And I don't know who all um, you know was nominated this year, but you know we're going up against all of the news organizations in the state, um, 
uh, for the award. And so that's significant. And, um, you know, we can get into it later, but Brad also <laughs> won this award five years ago when he was based in our Saginaw office for a completely different series of ongoing investigations. So, so Brad's really um, one of our uh, stellar watchdog reporters who, who really keeps a close eye on, on how, you know, our government operates. That is significant because the watchdog role for newspapers is fundamental. It's, it's one of the traditional roots of journalism in America, um, you know, to it's a, a branch of democracy, if you will. That's why it's enshrined in the First Amendment. Um, it's something we're all very proud of. It's the only profession that is listed in the Constitution as, as having a, a need and a right to exist. So, um, Brad, I think maybe at this point, it's just it's best uh, to talk about the specifics behind the story that won the award, the stories, because I think it was a series of stories. Um, so for, the, for our listeners' sake, take us through what it was you noticed, what was happening, and, and why we needed to report on it. Yeah. So I started covering the city commission a couple years ago, the Kalamazoo City Commission, um, having worked in Kalamazoo on a variety of different beats. So I switched over to... Um, having my focus being the city commission. So I was uh, the main reporter attending every meeting. So after doing that for a number of months, um, trying to get my, my footing on the beat, trying to learn the different people I needed to talk to, you know, those are all the normal things of the beat. And kind of as, as time went on months and months, um, I started to notice a little bit of talk about um, these other meetings that I, I really didn't know what they were and then Every once in a while, I'd hear just like one mention of um, a commissioner say, well, we talked about this at our small group meetings and we had a really good conversation there. So, um, you know, I'm happy we're, we're going to take action on this. And, and then this would, they'd be talking at it, a, a, they'd be talking about it at a uh, public meeting, kind of referencing their conversations in private. And I kind of start, that was just enough to make me think, um, you know, why are they having these? other private conversations and how they work. Um, so that was really the start of it, just kind of wanting to know everything about the beat I was supposed to cover, um, the natural curiosity of trying to thoroughly find out, you know, how, how the government was working. Um, so eventually I just kind of kept asking questions about them and I wasn't getting uh, much information about how they worked. Uh, basically, the city was saying their sub quorum, so meaning there are um, fewer than uh, the number needed to vote on an issue. So they were saying their sub quorum meetings, so therefore um, you can't attend them. So when I asked if I could attend, um, no, the public can't come. So that was kind of the initial information gathering. City didn't really want to tell us anything else about them initially. Um, so we began to request some records. We used FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, to get the agendas for these meetings. And we were able to see going months and years back, um, all kinds of just controversial issues that were being covered. Um, Except for they weren't being discussed, at least the roots of these issues weren't being discussed in, in public meetings. Right. That's, yeah, um, should probably highlight that, that they're fully private meetings. And that was kind of the whole um, 
point of contention with them is these are public elected officials and they're having these conversations about city topics, city business behind closed doors. You're not allowed to get into these meetings if you try. And kind of the question was raised, well, what, what's the point of these? And, you know, why are you even having them? And um, I kind of came to the conclusion that they, they seem to be designed to um, allow for the argument that the, you know, they can be held privately. So it uh, didn't, didn't really sit well with me as a reporter trying to figure out everything that's happening in town. So. No, it doesn't sit well with the open meetings act in my view. <laughs> uh, right. I, I've been at, I've been in this business. I say this a lot, but um, for 40 years and I've got my own impressions for how much progress has been made over the years. But I want to ask Mickey, Mickey, you oversee all eight markets. We do uh, quite a bit of freedom of information act, uh, work, which is requesting documents that are public documents. But in terms of Open Meetings Act, uh, have you, how commonplace is what we were seeing in Kalamazoo? I, not common as far as I know, because if it were, we would be, you know, digging it in these other communities as well. Um, you know, I think what Brad is talking about really, though, exemplifies the importance of high quality local journalism and, and, and you don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. Brad mentioned his natural curiosity. So he hears about this. He's curious about this. Maybe a, a, a citizen could have noticed it, but like Brad said, it apparently had been going on for a long time. Even some of our, you know, uh, maybe prior journalists covering the city hadn't really known, but Brad caught on to it and that's to his credit. And, and, um, and they're doing the people's business and you dug into it and you know sure there's some some rationale for a closed door meeting maybe litigation or an employee concern or personnel concern but as, as brad's reporting showed that's not what this was this was they were doing the public's business be, behind closed doors i am not aware uh of of this happening routinely or you know in in our other communities where we uh, send reporters to city council city commission meetings certainly if anyone's listening to this <laughs> has tips and wants to share them, uh, please reach out. Uh, we, we've got editors and reporters and, you know, as you know, in our in our eight core, you know, traditional newspaper markets where we are keeping tabs on what's going on at school boards and, and city council meetings. Yeah, it's, we'll come back to that, but we do um, this time honored thing in journalism, but we, we do act on tips and we do check out tips that we get. Um, if it doesn't look right, if it doesn't smell right, often it's not. One thing on this one that I found interesting and I've seen, and this is almost like forgivable, you know, I had a baseball coach who said, uh, you know, physical errors happen and we'll excuse those, but mental errors are excusable, you know? <laughs> so if, if you have time to prepare and you do something with intent, it's worse than an accident. And I've seen township boards or small school boards along over the years who violate the open meetings act or, or FOIA laws because they don't know. I mean, they just, they're, they're citizens, they're, they're not trained in this. But one of the things that stood out about the Brad's coverage in Kalamazoo was revealing that they train incoming council members to violate the law. <laughs> so Brad, can you explain that? I mean, they wouldn't put it that way, I'm sure. But can you explain what they were, what they were giving, you know, webinars on to the to incoming council members so they could evade the, the responsibilities of the law? Yeah, and you know, I didn't get every a ton of details on that, but essentially, you know, it, it was I, I guess I could explain it as 
the meetings had become such an ingrained part of, of what they were doing there to, to write when the new commissioners came on. Um, it was more, it was basically a part of their um, onboarding training that we have these small group meetings. You will be sent an email, you can come to it. Um, and, and here's how they work, you know, and it, and it wasn't really, you know, I, I got the sense that it was just kind of rolling on the city government had started this however many years ago. And, um, you know, I, I, I see, I guess um, some new commissioner could have spoken up and said, I don't agree with this, but you know, that, that would have been a challenge to do as a new commissioner and things like that as well. But it, it, yeah, it was just kind of explained to them by legal counsel and, and things that this is how this was correct. And they were leaning on legal counsel to, to provide the recommendation that this should be, this was allowed. And, um, you know, I, I guess it took a critical look to really say, but, but is this the best thing for transparency or is this even, you know, maybe a violation of, of the law? And I think some of the commissioners did understand that as, as I showed them my side of things and, um, you know, pushing them to examine this further and really critically think about what this means for everyone else in town, you know, and what, it, how it makes them, them look. And, and they even kind of seem to realize um, you know, maybe this doesn't make us look good, even if we, you know, claim to be legal, but, you know, people don't know what we're talking about. So that, I think, uh, you know, maybe some of the people saw, saw the points of the story after a while. Hey, Mickey, you, I don't want to age you too much, but you've been <laughs> in Kalamazoo for a while. Um, on and off, yes. Yeah. Uh, how many years have you, when did you come to the Gazette? Uh, 1996, January 96. Right. So you, you've seen quite a bit in the community. Um, and I'm not saying that this is endemic or in the water there or something, but with what Brad was uncovering, was that, had that been common practice in Kalamazoo or had you seen things like this prior? You know, uh, not to my knowledge, uh, uh, I covered the city commission myself, uh, 97, 98, and a good chunk of 99. And I don't have any recollection of, you know, uh, small group meetings uh, routine, but maybe I'm just not as good of a reporter as Brad was. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't remember this happening. I was not around in most of the 2000s. I came back in 2008. Um, so I was not aware of this as a practice. And again, you know, that's why I think, um, even somebody like me who pays attention, who's been in town, who does this, uh, you know, for a living, um, for a trained journalist and, and really good reporter like Brad to come along and sniff that out, um, uh, is to me exemplifies the need again for, 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 you know, why, why journalism matters, you know, at, at a local level. And, and I would just like to say, cause you know, Brad mentioned the legalities and I think the city still pushes back on a legal front. I'm not a lawyer. Brad's not a lawyer. Brad's editor, Mark Tower, who also is, you know, important in, in this coverage, you know, he's not a lawyer, uh, but it doesn't pass the smell test. You know, they're doing the people's business behind closed doors and by Brad exposing that, you know, uh, that, that, you know, has, has resulted in change and maybe Brad can talk about that, but, uh, you know, sometimes councils or school boards get caught up in the legalities of things. And, and I don't think what they were doing is legal, but again, I'm not a lawyer, but regardless, um, I think once, once the journalism and the reporting exposed it and they could see, and the citizens could see what was going on that, that prompted, you know, uh, change. 
You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLive podcast. Our guests this week are Mickey Chicaylo. It's MLive's editor in charge of our local news markets in our eight traditional newspaper communities. And Brad Devereaux, a reporter at the Kalamazoo Gazette, who is the recipient of this year's First Amendment Award from the Associated Press Media Editors for his work on transparency reporting in the city of Kalamazoo. I'd like to add, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a stab at it. I'm argumentative, um, but I'm not, a, and I don't think Eric Hulkering is. He's, a, he's the smartest person I know, but. Uh, <laughs> but still not a lawyer. Still not a lawyer. Um, on the list of like most reviled professions, we're, we're cousins with lawyers down there at the bottom of the list. But, but anyways, one of the things that I've seen in journalism is, and I think it's a, it's a human tendency. It's I, and people get into public service. And I think just like society at large, 99% of people are well-meaning and trying to do the right things for the right reasons. But and we talked about this on a podcast during trans, uh, Sunshine Week, is that something happens when uh, public servants get together and they're dealing with difficult issues or hard discussions. They start to take a proprietary view over the information, over the process. You know, they, they don't want participation in the deliberation part of it so much or the scrutiny on individuals who are in the process trying to convince their peers <laughs> to do something. And so the default almost starts to become, it, the law says it is open except for, there are exceptions that things are closed. But they flip it and they go, they start from the premises. This is gonna all be private unless we feel like it's, you know, we're comfortable enough releasing it. So. Hey, Brad, what kind of resistance did you run into um, during the process of reporting? And, you know, I want to just point out here, too, that Brad did, also did some remarkable reporting on a police chief. After the protests in Kalamazoo last spring, there was some, you know, there was some rioting in town and, and police response came into question. Um, the police chief um, resigned, quote unquote, and we found out later that the police chief had actually been fired. But that was not how the city presented it. And it took more digging from, from Brad to get that information out. Also commendable reporting. So Brad, what's the nature of the, the, the search for information in Kalamazoo and their, your, the kind of resistance you might be getting from them on a routine basis to get access to information? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, as part of reporting for this story, I called around to all the commissioners before the story came out and I, I just talked to them uh, to get their comments, but also to fully explain my position on that. And um, you know, so as far as, and that questioning included, would you be willing to, you know, support a change or, or take action to make a change, make these meetings public? Um, so during those conversations, some of the commissioners said, they basically explained that there are some nice things about having these private meetings. Um, you know, we can ask questions behind closed doors. We don't, you know, we don't have to um, be embarrassed about being educated because we're we're asking all kinds of things. Um, something you might not want to ask about in public because then it becomes a difficult conversation. And um, so they they were definitely used to having these for the it just kind of made things easy for them. And if you don't have to have conversations in public, I got the sense it was easier, which I, I you know, there's less scrutiny. Um, I found some resistance when I started to, to talk about this new idea that they were just 
so stuck in the old way and stuck with the old culture of these private meetings that um, they kind of heard my points, but they like it was like my points in some cases were being outweighed by this desire to have a smoother process and run more efficiently. Um, so they had they had various reasons why they really wanted to keep the meetings. Uh, eventually, they all voted to change the meetings. Um, I believe based on public pressure or whatever, they eventually changed their mind um, to support this change. But yeah, they, you know, there are benefits that they would talk about, um, what they called benefits. And I, I would just boil it down to, it was, it was more convenient and easier to do them in private. And, and there was this belief that they weren't doing anything wrong. So, you know, they were getting their legal advice that it was okay. So, um, it took it took a lot it took a bit of explaining to say you know but think about it you know why aren't citizens being included in this and this and this all these important topics um and eventually the change was accepted but um yeah a bit of resistance and i do wonder about going forward you know um this was a good change and i'm happy to see this and i'm really happy to see commissioners willing to make this change you know but it's like i think we really need people to embody that um spirit of, of wanting to be transparent and um, it can be tough if you know elect to expect elected officials to kind of hold themselves to that bar but um you know i wonder about the future will there be some some new thing that that gets created i guess i'm waiting to see what might happen next but uh so far, so good with this change to see. Well, you know, I, I don't think anything nefarious, terribly nefarious was going on, but Mickey, that's not the point, is it? No, I, I was going to jump in a little bit, to maybe a little bit bigger picture. I mean, Kalamazoo and some West Michigan communities, you know, perhaps Grand Rapids are very business friendly towns, have a long standing sort of business culture a certain paternalism to them. And right, I in, in this case, um, I don't know that individual commission members had any evil intent or doing, but you know, there, there's, I think there's a, a culture uh, here that's not always, doesn't always see what we see in terms of, hey, democracy is messy, self-governance is messy, you need to do this stuff, you know, in the open, uh, in the light of day. And I'll just, you know, use it as an example, John, was the, um, Southwest Michigan First, the business group, um, uh, naming Lee Chatfield out of the blue as their new leader. Now, they're not a public organization. They weren't required to hold meetings. However, I think it gets to this, this point you're making, John, about sort of the culture of a community. And that uh, was later revealed that that decision was made by a very small group of people. And as was, was well documented, uh, was met with a firestorm of criticism. And then, you know, Lee Chatfield decided to not go forward in that position. And so I, I think there's probably something there, you know, in the culture where maybe the knee jerk, the culture of Kalamazoo or maybe even West Michigan, where the knee jerk is, is, hey, let's do this behind closed doors and only tell the people what we think they need to know. And again, you know, journalists, people like Brad who are pushing for openness saying, no, let's, let's, let's let the citizens see what's going on here. Well, the idea of we know best, somewhat paternalistic, you should trust us, you know, we're, 
we're, we're, we're, we're good guys, right? We're good yeah. guys. And it's yeah. rude to ask. My goodness. It's like, you know, if you ask your, your, your cousin, how much money they made or something, it's, but that is the nature of representative government and democracy and the transparency is just so essential. Um, you know, and I, I don't blame the average citizen for not knowing the ins and outs of the laws. What we do, and all of these government boards have attorneys who should educate them, not on how to evade it, to make it convenient, right. but how that the first obligation ethically is to follow the law. Um, I think to a default, to a fault, you know, that only in extreme examples, use the exceptions that are spelled out in the law period. You know, you don't start from the standpoint that we're going to consider it closed unless someone calls us on it. And that, you know, that's why journalism, like what Brad does is so important. So uh, Brad, you know, hats off to you. And Mickey had references Thanks. earlier, and I'd like you to get into some of the changes that we said. I think this is also part of the First Amendment Award is the impact it has that it leads to change and it improves the environment for openness. So why don't we talk about some of the things that happened in the wake of your reporting at Kalamazoo? Yeah, so yeah, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, I was just gonna say um, the process that they actually changed these meetings um, came up. So they started discussing this issue right um, the night before my story came out. It came up in discussions that um, that one of the commissioners was considering um, this issue based on after talking with me, um, and eventually. It was discussed over a few meetings. The staff came together and, and the city staff was asked to prepare an alternate format that would be public. Um, so that took a few more weeks and there was a few discussions the city commission had. Um, it was pretty interesting actually because some people actually came up with some, some more benefits that this public format would have. Maybe the biggest um, example of, of, of another positive was um, having one public meeting versus having three private meetings would, would make it so everyone was going to get the same exact report from the staff. And that was also gonna save staff time. So that that became part of the conversation. And, and honestly, as the commission started to like really explore this, they started to realize it's a, it seemed to almost be like a better use of their time too, because they could really have full conversations and not have to worry about what format they were in. And it was always gonna be public. Um, you know, despite this uh, maybe apprehensiveness of speaking in front of the public. But, um, you know, to me, I, I want to see that stuff. And I, I think it'll be interesting going forward. Um, it's a six month trial basis they approved it for. So, you know, in, a, in June, they'll come back and decide what they want to do. So I'm hoping that they keep it or they keep, you know, some version of a public venue. Well, right. You don't want to like overcommit the transparency. That would be, that's pretty scary. You know, <laughs> yeah, you don't right, want to like right. just do a cannonball into the pool of openness. Uh, you you kind of dip your toes and go in slowly and see if like, you know, the city burns down or something because of uh, you're following the law. I'm sorry. That may have sounded a little <laughs> cynical. Uh, Mick is this, the second most tenured person on this call. You've been around a while. You've also worked in Chicago as well. Yep. Um, how, what is the state, how much progress have we made on this in, in the last 25 years? You know, I moved back to Kalamazoo in 2008 after seven plus years in Chicago. And I, 
I would say not much, sadly. And, and, and maybe it's my um, my position more as an editor now and not as much in the trenches on individual stories or individual commissions, but I have more of an opportunity now to, to look around. And the Michigan FOIA law is just incredibly disappointing. Um, so many exemptions. And, and, as, and as you pointed out, governments aren't required to cite the exemptions, but it's all too often it seems to be the default position to, to try to find out how to not release information versus how to release information. So sadly, I and also would point out there was that uh, transparency report from a national group, I think, what, four or five years ago that had Michigan ranked dead last for transparency. So that also goes integrity, I think, right. 2018 even, or 2019. And that goes to issues of the, the legislature and the governor too. But I just, overall big picture, we've got a lot of work to do in Michigan when it comes to government transparency. Well, that's a great segue to say that's what MLive's here for. That's what Mickey's in charge of in our communities. And we've also had some good examples in other communities in the past year or two, uh, Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, and other communities where we've compelled openness through the, the limited tools that journalists and citizens get to work with. And I'm very proud of, of, of our staff for doing that and, and your leadership in that, Mickey. Um, and Brad, you know, hats off to you again. Uh, that that award against all the all journalistic outfits in Michigan in a year is is a real testament to uh, your talent and hard work uh, and, and pushing on these these issues too. And as Mickey pointed out earlier, you won your two time winner of the award. Um, you won it while you were at the Saginaw News for uh, what I can only say is one of the wildest, weirdest stories. Uh, and I'm not. We won't go into it. Maybe some other time. But uh, the, it, I would encourage people to look up Oakley Township Board and Brad Devereaux's name if you want some good reading for the afternoon. Yeah, it might take a while to read them all. There's a lot of stories that I ended up doing. But yeah, it was a very, very interesting time out there in Saginaw and um, probably best known for the, the reserve force, which had a, a membership um, application um, from Kid Rock. So. It was a very um, interesting story, probably. Yeah, one of the most interesting ones. Um, yeah, it, it's it's great to be, you know, I guess winning the award also in my mind, you know, it's great personally, personally, obviously, but uh, it's it's cool to kind of be an advertisement for this is the kind of work that we're looking to do. We, you know, if, if there's something serious happening that that is truly, you know, a government is doing something, you know, for whatever reason, um, that needs to be brought to light. You know, we want to know about it. Like you said, we have journalists all across the state. Um, I have gotten a few tips just from people kind of reading about this uh, dedication to to what we're doing in Kalamazoo. And I've, you know, I'm really happy to hear from people who, you know, want want to talk with us about things. So um, it can be a, a tough process because we can't help solve every issue, but. Um, it's really great to, to hear from people and to kind of engage with people through this process and this award highlighting that we're we're looking after these issues. Well, thank you, Brad, for you know diligence and, and staying with it. And for the people of Kalamazoo, man, that's what we're here for, representing the readers and the community. Mickey, yeah, thank you. Mickey, and thank you for joining us and your leadership on, on these important transparency issues in, in, in Michigan using journalism as the tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you, John. Appreciate it.
And there they go. A big thanks to Brad and Mickey for joining the show. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, all you have to do is like, review, and share wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Holkren, and this is Behind the Headlines.